0: I think we need to start from square one, which is how I said in the intro, is I think we as women need to work on ourselves first. In fact, not even women. I think people, in order to have a successful relationship, really need to work on ourselves because we bring in so much past into our current relationship. Things that happen in our childhood, bad relationships, we can't help but bring them into our new ones. And I think that that's our first fundamental mistake. So I'd like to start with you, Steph. You have a quote which just really hit me. Um, You said, don't let the fear of being alone be greater than your own self-respect. Love yourself enough to walk away from an unhealthy relationship. So let's talk about that. Step one. um, How did you come to that conclusion, especially based on everything you have gone through in your
1: past? I think your past always dictates your future. And... I got to a point where I sat down and said, I've had enough and I don't want to be lonely and I don't want to be sad and I don't want to hate myself anymore, but I don't want to be with all these terrible people and to try to like define myself worse. I had to find that in myself and realize I was good enough to find somebody that would treat me amazing. Because initially, did you find that you were looking for that self-worth from somebody else? Absolutely. I wanted someone to love me so bad. Mm. Uh, My parents divorced when I was nine years old and my dad didn't want to be a dad anymore. He left. Mm. So if the one person who's supposed to love you on the entire planet more than anyone else leaves, what does that tell you? Mm. I always believed I wasn't worthy of love because I couldn't get it from him anymore. And it it shattered Mm. me. Because I was, a, I was a true daddy's girl. I loved my dad. I wanted to be with him. I wanted to go everywhere with him. So when he left, it was like I was trying to seek validation and have someone just love me. I wanted to be loved by a guy because I didn't have that. And so I just sought out shitty relationships because that's what I thought I deserved.
0: Do you find that a lot, Emily, in the people that you talk to?
2: Yeah, you know, it's funny because I, I do. we are all destined to repeat things from our past, like childhood, you know, our parents' relationships. I mean, I feel like in a way, rather than fighting it, it'd be so great if people understood that we're all going to have issues to work on. So I would, like, hang on to people that felt familiar. Like, I was so afraid of abandonment that I would shut down, and I had to learn that after time. Either you keep doing it or you check in and you go, you know what? This is no longer serving me. And then you stop. And then that's when you keep doing the work. And I think it is a lifelong process. So, yes, I find it all the time. you got to do the work, hopefully, if you have the, those kind of mm-hmm. insights. Yeah. So, yeah, it's very common, yeah, that we yeah. repeat these things and then we got to learn.
0: Now, what I find fascinating and really impactful stuff about your story is, man, you hit, be- I mean, rock bottom. Mm-hmm. Like, le- oh, yeah. that's what rock- I couldn't even think of anything oh, yeah. more rock bottom than that. So if you don't mind just taking us through quickly that, that scenario, what, like how you felt about yourself and what that transition was to, in your mindset to then pick yourself back up metaphorically and actually physically um, and then start to shift your mindset of what your worth is.
1: So I don't know how I survived it to begin with. I have no idea to this day why I'm here. Um, I woke up, and I was really confused, and I ended up getting in my car and driving to my mom's house, and it was very clear that I had something happened. My neck was had bruises and cuts across my neck, so I had to tell my mom mm-hmm. what had happened, and um, I told her. Yeah. And she's looked at me, and she's like, you have a purpose, and you need to find out what it mm. is. And that really made me think, because at that point, I was like, I still don't want to be here. Mm. No one loves oh, okay. me. I don't want to be here. And so I just kept living life and living life, and I kind of started dating people that weren't scary but weren't safe. Mm. And I woke up one day and said... This is bullshit. Mm. Was it literally just like one day? One day I woke huh. up and I said, I'm done. I don't want to be this person anymore. I hate hating myself. I am with the most terrible people. Why am I doing this to myself? If you have a choice, choose differently. Mm. So I just had to choose differently. I started writing and writing about what I wanted in my life and what I wanted in a mate and how I, how to be happy. Mm. And so I sat out on this journey, and I was, for the first time in my life, I was fine being alone. I was like, I'm going to be alone no matter what. Even if somebody I think is attractive comes Mm -hmm. along, if they're not worthy of my love, I'm not going to give it. So I truly just didn't want to date. So I met my husband, and instantly he was like, let's be vulnerable, and let's tell each other everything, and... I put the walls up because I was so terrified and you know he would talk me into putting the walls out so I'd kind of peek over the wall (laughs) a little bit and he was the first person I told about being molested and everything I finally just let him in Mm -hmm. and we both were just broken sad people and we just wanted more for our lives we wanted to be happy we wanted to document our journey we wanted to be more and have more and do more and just do great in the world and just have the most incredible marriage.
0: Yeah.
1: And we really do. We've been together for 15 years. It's mm. amazing.
0: Yeah, I mean, to have come from what you've had to endure um, and then be able to... Change and adapt and grow as a human to be able to bring the best part of you to the relationship is amazing. And I think that that's what's so hard for people, right? Mm-hmm. Is that they start from a place of not feeling worthy to be loved, or they start from a place of, um, you know, I mean, let's in fact, let's talk about being the victim, right? Because initially oh, yeah. you get people
2: that are always like, why do I always find the wrong guy? Mm-hmm. And I bet you hear this yeah, all, all the, the time. time. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's like. I mean, here's the thing. That's why I said eventually, like, you're 50% of the equation. So if you mm-hmm. keep finding the wrong person, guess what the one constant is? It's like you. You it's keep you. showing up, yes. right? There is this notion in society that, that we, in our culture, that we have to find someone to complete us. Mm-hmm. That we are not complete mm-hmm. until we find someone else. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, oh, I, felt my, I found my other half. And I think that is so wrong that we need to be our whole selves before we can truly attract who we want and who we want. And most of when I say whole, it's like at least it's that self-love part. Not that you're not always working on it. Right. You're always working. Mm-hmm. But if you think this person's going to complete me and make me happy and fill me up in all the ways I feel empty, all these empty holes, it doesn't
1: work like that. So I you're think wrong. that's so beautiful. Yeah. That you you'll eventually identified. just crash. I mean, yeah. you'll be on that high of I'm yeah. so in love. This is so amazing. And once your issues come in together, yeah. it's like it's just not going to work. That's why there's so many divorces and breakups and people are cheating because... Of how they feel about themselves Mm -hmm. inside. Yeah. Not how you feel about each other. You could have two great people, but both very sad or both very broken. Right. Yeah. And And you've got to heal yourself. Or you need to at least be on a journey, if you're with someone, to both want to grow. We never stop growing. And if one of us stops, we're like pulling each other's hand. Let's go. Let's keep growing. Let's keep trying and moving forward. Let's just not stay stagnant here. Mm -hmm.
0: All right, so how do you begin to heal yourself, whether you're in a relationship or not? Because I actually do believe if you're trying to overcome something, having that support system is Mm -hmm. major. And if you've got a partner that's also trying to, that can be really help. Um, But let's say you're not. Let's say someone's watching this right now and they desperately want to find love and they're listening. They're like, okay, I want to work on myself. Step one on loving yourself and stopping that negative talk is?
2: Is, I think it's being vulnerable with with either you're finding your people, finding your friends that you trust. And not even, I think it's best to do it outside of relationships. So Mm -hmm. practice just, you know, finding a friend, finding a group, finding support in your community. So that for me was a main thing is through friends. And then also um, therapy. I think that therapy is... And, and here's the thing: I understand, like therapy. People think it's it's very overwhelming. To people, how do I get? I can't afford it. But there's a lot of different ways to get therapy: um, sliding scale, first of all, insurance. If that doesn't work for you, but also there's groups, there's AA, mm. there's Codependents mm. Anonymous. There's there's a lot of different way, ways that you can find that community. And I think you learn through groups and through others how to really learn to love yourself and accept yourself. And then you learn what feels good and what doesn't. So then you start to shed toxic people around you. And you just, you you truly do attract what you put out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I know we all say that in different ways, but it's true. And then the more you refine, you refine and you're in touch with yourself and learn to love yourself mm-hmm. through therapy, through finding good people, through writing. Like I love what you said that you sat down and you wrote. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of power in manifestation and pen to paper.
1: Mm-hmm. Not
2: all this... You're writing it down in every day, and you're manifesting, and you're thinking, and you're reading, and you're speaking it. And I think that's a big part of it. It's huge. Yeah.
1: It's huge. And, and the other thing you said, like therapy, if there's people that are just like, I don't want to leave the house, I want right. to Right. Open up YouTube. Yeah. There's so Thank many you. motivational, amazing speakers out there that can help you. Mm. Listen to them all day long if you mm. can't afford mm. therapy or you just simply right. don't want to go.
2: Yeah. You're, that's a really good point. For me, what I've had to work on is a lot of negative self-talk. So if I don't feel my constantly, whether it's reading or writing or feeling myself, if I'm driving just with positive self messages, then then my brain will take over. Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. so I think the more you can fill it up with all that stuff, that is great. Mm -hmm. I mean, therapy is, I think, where you do some good, like, one-on-one, but that stuff, positive message is so important. Okay, so it's very clear of like, these are the actions I can take. What about the things that
0: people don't realize? Like, you said toxic people and you said friends. So you turn to your friends. What if you don't realize your friends are the toxic people? Growing up, it was definitely like I had friends call me up and it's like, I know he's lying to me. Will you come and I want to drive by his house to see if his car's there, right? Oh like, my, right, right, no, right. Yeah. And, <laughs> look, that was obviously in my teen years, yeah. but you do even get that now yes. where people are making sly comments about certain people and it's That subtle negativity in your brain that you may not realize is actually holding you back from making that alteration
1: in your life. I think you need to take a look around and see what your friends are and evaluate like your personality and their personality. And once you start growing, you notice negative people just fall out of your Mm -hmm. life. They are just simply magically gone. Right. because you're attracting something differently mm-hmm. and you're not going to wait for them to grow. You're just going to keep going. So
0: be on your path, focus on what you're trying to get to, and then as you do it, analyze the people around you Absolutely. so that you can see if they actually mm-hmm. do fit Absolutely. into that.
1: And I love what she said about vulnerability because for me, vulnerability was weakness. You, did, you were not going to... I was not going to be vulnerable with anyone right. on the planet. I wasn't going to cry. I wasn't going to show any emotion. But vulnerability is powerful. It is. Yeah. Telling your story and not being afraid to tell your story and being you is power.
0: Yeah. Brene Brown just did this. T- oh, I didn't. I just watched the, her second <laughs> TED talk yeah. and she goes on about, I don't know if you've seen it, but her first one's about vulnerability. And then the second one is talking about her experience on the first one and how she was really embarrassed that she did the talk. And this was right after. And she's like, can I persuade YouTube to take it down? <laughs> yes. Like, what if 400 people see? 400 people, obviously you've got into the millions. Like a minute, right. And in that, she said something that hit me more powerfully than her whole speech before. She said, put your hand up, she asked the crowd, put your hand up if when you're vulnerable, you feel like that's weakness. And everyone just like put their hand up. She's like, all right, everyone's been at this event now for the whole weekend. Put your hand up if you admire and respect the strength people had to be vulnerable to stand up on stage. And everyone put their hand up. She's like, okay, so vulnerability within yourself is seen as a weakness, but vulnerability in other people is seen as a strength. And I was like, oh my God.
2: Like that shit just rocked yeah. my world. I think Brene Brown has done so much work because no one really... Understands vulnerability, authenticity. It's such a buzzword now, which mm-hmm. I think is amazing. Right. Mm-hmm. I think it is confusing. And I used to think, well, if I'm vulnerable, I mean, with friends, I've been able to be that. But but with men, I was oh, much I'm, more oh, guarded. Yeah. I was like, Absolutely, I'm tough. Men, I'm independent. No I'm yeah. not going to. And I love what your example of the over the wall because you yeah. do one thing to me, the wall goes up, the wall goes up. It's hard to get it back down again. It is. So, um, yeah, I think that that's a that's a really good point. But I wanted to go back to one thing you said about the tips for people because Mm. this is something about friends. Like, how do you know when something doesn't feel good? I was just thinking about this is that when you leave somebody, like let's say you have a group of friends or there's people you're out with, truly check in with yourself and think, how did it make me feel? Am I going home worried? Am I thinking that I said something wrong? Or like the the next time they ask you to do something, are you thinking, Mm. is this going to be a good time? Is this going to be weird? Like, So the people, there are certain people that you meet and it's just like, you don't have that with them right away. Mm -hmm. And I think it's just like a a check-in thing. Um, I don't -hmm. know, about like the the, the specific tip. It's like checking in with yourself of how their energy fits with yours. And if it feels like something's off there, but it takes time sitting and slowing back and thinking and evaluating. And the more good people you have in your life, yeah, you realize who is toxic. I
1: think that we need to stop, as a society, making other people's emotions about ourselves. Uh, Our partners, our friends, our bosses, our coworkers everyone makes each other's emotions about ourselves. So for instance, I text you up or call you, I'm having a bad day. Oh my gosh, is she mad at me? Maybe you're just (laughs) having a bad day. Maybe you're busy, maybe you're stressed out. Always assume the best, but make sure it's not about yourself. Yeah, right. That's That's actually a good point. Yeah, especially in a relationship, and that's really interesting. It's huge in a relationship. And that's why
0: it's so difficult to continuously grow in a partnership where um, if the other person isn't growing, I think it's very difficult to then be able to bond because, A, you're just on different playing fields. Yeah. Um, and then also are you going to allow someone to change that mood that you're in? Like if you're feeling down, right? I'm sure mm-hmm. that there are days where we all have that. Yes. Shit's gone wrong, we're just not feeling good about ourselves. And the question is the people we are around going back to how mm-hmm. what you actually just said about yeah. friends is our partner making us feel better or worse about it. Mm-hmm. Now at the same time though it's dangerous to rely on them to do either.
2: Mm, mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. It's, yes. it's, a, it's, such a, it's so tricky because we are told the way we're, is that our, our partner should be everything. They should be our best friend. Mm-hmm. They should be our lover. They should fix the sink. They should take out the trash. They should go shopping with us. They should be everything. Yes. And that's not realistic to put all those expectations on one person, one partner in your life. Here's the tricky thing even if you have someone that's great, like a great human
0: being, right? And you really do love them and they love you, there are going to be moments where I'm struggling He's in a piss poor mood, right. right? It's just it's inevitable. So, in those moments, how do you, which I used to when I first met Tom, we were just like butt heads because mm-hmm. I'm freaking pissed about something completely different. He's pissed about something, and now those emotions are coming together, and we're actually fighting each other now, and now it becomes about me and him when really it was about an issue I was dealing with and an issue he was dealing with. Because you're making with. your
1: emotions because about each exa- other. Right. Oh, about, you're yes, taking yes, on each yes. other's exactly. emotions yeah. and you're making it about your yourself instead of Tom's just having a bad day and you're just having a bad day or I'm having a bad day and James is having a bad day let's just let them have a bad Mm. day let's just we all get headaches we all have bad days we're all super busy yeah but let's just have that be the motion not everything else from the past coming in and saying this is how I should feel instead. So
2: then how do you do, when you guys are talking about those assumptions, how do you not make the assumptions? Like, I like this thing about, like, like let me check a story with you. Like, even with friends or in relationships, I'm feeling like when I came in today, you felt that you were no-
1: something else going on. Like, mm-hmm. to ask questions about it so you don't go into assumption mode. Always assume the best. If you have, like, you walk into a room and you just make, start making all these assumptions, well, your assumptions are wrong.
0: Yeah, I love. In fact, this brings us right down to um, perception, right? Because you did this incredible video series about perception. Um, Talk to me about that and why um, powerful you so focused on trying to change that perception in people in general. Because I think it spans from business to relationships to you know personal. Well, if you're making
1: assumptions, if you don't ask the right question, it's going to be wrong, Hmm. right? And so if you're just If you just keep making the same assumption, 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 and you never ask the question, it's going to be wrong. So your perception is just like your eyesight. It's in a limited field. Growing up in abuse, I couldn't have the right perception. Right? Mm. I wouldn't see things. Or you had one
0: perception.
1: It just may not have been the accurate one or the accurate one. It was wrong because I kept making assumptions. Interesting. So people need to start changing their perceptions and looking internally instead of making about everyone else. Yeah. And that goes to this, what I
2: was saying story, like checking, like sometimes we think that like our thoughts are coming from somewhere else. And then once you realize that my assumption or my story that I'm thinking about the situation, we go to the past, we go what something means in the future or the past. And then you realize that's my interpretation. That's actually not true. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of times you have to be like, Oh, I'm thinking that this thing's really bad, but it's not true. And then you stop, and you're like, "Well, what do I know? Like, what are the facts? Like, you got to separate your. This is some way that I do it is when I have assumptions, or I tell myself that someone's mad at me, or someone did something. I think, well, the facts are that they just didn't call you back, for example, or that are they, they just they're late? They're just busy. Yeah, they not, it doesn't mean that a bunch yeah. of other things are happening. So when you just go, wait, what are the facts in this present moment? That's the way I've gotten my mind to kind of stop making assumptions and thinking things. I'm like, well, what? what is really, what can we all agree is the truth here? Mm-hmm. The truth is, Tom slammed the door and you were in a bad mood. Like, right. that's it. And then it just takes you to that present, mm-hmm. which is where all we have. Mm-hmm. Or if someone's else.
0: thinking about something that happened two weeks ago and you have no idea, you're just interpreting it as that's a exactly. reflection of you of what you, you said just in that moment.
2: Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's never, is. most of the things we worry about are not even what's going on. Yeah.
0: As an entrepreneur, one of the biggest challenges you will face is a negative voice in your head. You know who I'm talking about? That may be not so small part of you that loudly doubts your abilities to actually pull the things off and make a living from your passion project. But you've got to overcome that negative voice in your head, homie, because I'm telling you, you can do it, especially if you use Shopify. Now, Shopify is an all-in-one global commerce platform that helps you sell at Every stage of your business, from launching a business to hitting a million dollars, Shopify has got you completely covered. And with all the built in magic AI award winning customer service and the Internet's best converting checkout, you have everything you need to shut down the voice of doubt and make all the amazing business dreams All lowercase. Again, guys, you can go to shopify.com slash Lisa right now to grow your business no matter where you are and what stage it's in. That's shopify.com slash Lisa. Mm. All right, so when we then get into a relationship and we bring all these things with us, we bring Mm. these assumptions with us, Mm. how do we start to break that mold? So you've met this guy or girl, whatever your preference is, you've met your partner. You've worked on yourself, you found this person, and now you have to stay open to things coming your way because you're, going back to what you said, your eyesight is only this big. Mm -hmm. So there's a whole world behind Mm -hmm. me that I haven't even looked at. How do you stay open to that when you've worked so hard on yourself? Because sometimes I think it's, it can be scary because you're like, I've done all this work, I don't want this guy or this girl, right. my partner, to derail me from all the work that I've done. How do you know what's actually a
1: good move or a bad move? So I, so when we met, we went on a journey to become better and we were all in love and everything was great, but when your issues start coming in, mm-hmm. you start butting heads and so we sat down and we just started talking about our issues. Is it my issue? Is it your issue? Are we oh, marrying each other? Oh. Whose issue is it? So we would sit down literally wow. every single night in our room. We still do. And we talk about our issues, our problems, like what's, go, what's really going on? Mm. You know, you were in a bad mood today, but what, what was that really about? Because your day was great. So what is really going on internally to make you feel that way? And that could go back to like something jogged your memory from the past and you start getting worried about something stupid, Mm -hmm. like not the the trash not being taken Mm -hmm. out or something stupid. But it's really not about the trash. It's about something else from a long time ago triggered your memory. Mm -hmm. So we sat down and started talking about our issues. Whose issue is it? We literally went through like the abuse, um, all of his past and just clearing that.
2: Yeah, I mean, a lot of it is communication. It's like knowing, that's so amazing that you guys were able to communicate. It's like mm-hmm. learning really good communication skills. It's is everything. A skill. And there's a certain way to, to learn how, there's something called a MAGO therapy, which I really what like. It? It's called a MAGO, I-M-A-G-O. Okay. But there's different variations of it. But essentially, it's, if you're in a relationship, you try to, the guy have to confront you about something. Using feeling words, like... Babe, you are never on time and you're always, you know, I'm always mad at you, 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 and you blame them. Cause the second you put someone on the defensive and you say you you, they shut, they don't hear the next mm-hmm. thing mm-hmm. you say. But when you're like, it made me feel really disrespected when you were late mm-hmm. and I just want you know, I want you to know how I'm feeling, and, and it doesn't feel good. And then then they repeat back to you. So what I'm hearing is that you said yeah. that you feel that that me being late is what has what upset you, and then I could say, "Yeah, that's what it is," and I and I really don't want that to happen. Then your partner would say back, "I hear what you're saying, and I'm sorry I've made you feel that way. Let me explain. I was running late." And then it's really just like a very specific, mm-hmm. I'm because no one can argue with your feelings, mm-hmm. and repeating back and then saying it. I mean, it is this beautiful process because really. Communication, I used to think I was a great communicator before I actually learned communication skills. What I meant was I'm very sociable and I like yeah. people and I love talking, <laughs> I think... right? Very, yeah. very different yeah. than being a good communicator yeah. or a good listener, all yeah. different. Yeah. I'm the life of the party. I don't know what the hell you said, but wasn't I fun? Yeah. Yeah. But when you learn these things mm-hmm. and you're like, oh, okay, it's it's really good listening. It's, it's re- re- reporting back in a relationship. It's not just being easygoing and cool, right. like all that, yeah. it's really specific. And so I think in a new relationship, it's important. Your partner might not have these skills, but if they are interested in learning, you, could, you guys could learn it together. You mm-hmm. could learn how to be effective communicators. So I think that is huge, and it helps you in every kind of relationship.
1: Right. And you said something, um, you said, it made me feel disrespected yeah. Yeah. when you were late. But I feel like you could only feel disrespected if you disrespect yourself because well, it's right. already in there. Because why mm. would you be, feel disrespected if someone was late? They were just late. It was yeah. traffic. They were working. They couldn't get off in time. But why, what inside right. of you made you what feel you so it.
2: disrespected? Yeah. Okay, exactly. So that goes back to the childhood. So let's say yes. my partner said back to me, I'm working so hard. You know that I would never disrespect for you to be late. I'm like, every time you're late, you're late every day. I'm not just I can go back to, okay, well, where else do I feel this? Why do I always mm-hmm. feel like maybe people are yes. taking advantage of me in my life? You know, maybe it's them, maybe it's not. But I could, I could then I could say like... You're right, that way that wasn't disrespectful, but I've told you this. Where else can I set boundaries around this? So maybe mm-hmm. then he's got to alter his behavior and realize that, like, time is an issue for me because in my past, then what therapy would do, or friends would say, where do I feel disrespected? Mm-hmm. Well, you know what? My mom was always late. She never picked me up at school at When time. I've got some mm-hmm. issues around time. It's always layers. You're peeling back, you're peeling yes. back. You're, you know what? you got to assume that if you're in a relationship or a friendship with someone that you love, they don't intentionally want to hurt you. Because right. they're the biggest jerk in the world, you're both And if they do, you're it. with the wrong person. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> if they get off on that, yes. but if they're true, like, babe, I did not want to be late. I swear. Then you know, like, okay, but then how do we get to it? And then there's layers mm-hmm. and layers. That and that's what my healing. husband says
1: to me. He's like, you know, my intentions right. are true. So if I say something and I was wrong, you know, my intentions are pure. And when he said that to me, I was like, you're right. He would never hurt me and he would never intentionally want to. And that's exactly, I love that so
0: much because that's exactly what I do with Tom. I use the word feel. So I say, I know you love me. I know you didn't mean to, but I did feel disrespected during this. And then once you've identified, because what you're saying is look back in your life, Mm -hmm. see where else you've been, you felt disrespected. And so what I do is I even say that in that conversation. So I'll say, I've realized that I feel disrespected because this actually happened in my past. I know it's something I need to get over. But right now, this is what I'm working through. Because you're never going to be able to do it overnight. No. So I bring yes. my partner in and say, I'm going to work on it. But for now, can you please not be late? Because it gives me this feeling. Exactly. And on the side, I'm going to work on it. And eventually, you can be as late as you like. And I'm not going <laughs> to care. <right? laughs> but like, right. giving yourself that leeway to be honest with your partner about why you're insecure about why this has affected you bringing them into it so you can do it together as a partnership instead of in um, solitary that's such a good
2: way to say Mm -hmm. it because it and what what could happen if you don't have these skills and i love that we're all saying it takes time is that what happens and i don't this women do this too but in a male in a heterosexual relationship men typically want to fix which is why i hear from women every single day Mm -hmm. they want i I went to my partner like Oh, my God, well, I want to fix it. Like Then you should just, you know, if they come home from work and I'm upset about something, well, well, let me help you. You should quit your job. You shouldn't you should talk to this person. Let me get you food. You're, yes. you're just, sometimes, like, let me clean, let me. No, yes. we just need you to listen. Mm-hmm. I need you to say, I hear that you're hurting. Mm-hmm. I hear that was a really rough day, babe. Tell mm-hmm. me more. And that's another, and we all need different things. Yeah. Yes. And I'm not saying yes. men don't need that, that as well, really but true. teaching your partner how you need to be mm-hmm. loved. I know yes. that. How you need to be listen to mm-hmm. what you need in these moments cuz everyone's different maybe their last partner wanted more fixing for example yeah. but a lot of times they for men it's a typical thing yeah. that they yeah. don't but let him know it's so it funny makes because feel loved when you listen
0: i used to get in arguments with tom because i would go to him with a problem i just want to hug i yeah. want his arms around me to say baby everything's okay and yes. what he does is like okay so what did you do but what did they do <laughs> okay so what did you do after and now yeah. i feel like i'm being interrogated yes. Yes. and i'm like oh, yeah, so now we've learned what we do and it's become a habit now it took us a while to get there but what we do is now when if I go to him with a problem I'll either remember and say babe I just need you to listen yeah. right now or if I forget he'll stop me he's like wait 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 before you go any further do you want me to listen or to fix it and I'll <laughs> right. be like Okay, that's a good question. Yeah. What do I need right now? I just need, I need you to fix it. And he's like, "All right, let's do this." <laughs> yes. You know, whatever it is. But being open and telling yeah. him because that's so true. Understanding your partner. Yeah. I love
2: it so much. It's true. And half the journey. I mean, so much of this is what do you need? What do you want? Mm-hmm. And figuring out what we want. Like, especially a big thing that I think can stop from self love and all this stuff is, is being a pleaser. And so mm-hmm. you never think much, when you're a pleaser. Often you care. About, you're taking care of everyone else around mm-hmm. you. You think our needs come second or let, don't ever come, come last. So thing, knowing, like, what do I need in a relationship? And that's why I think it's so important to write down what feels good to you, what doesn't when you're looking for a partner, and then Absolutely. explaining it, what I need, and that it's okay to have needs. Mm-hmm. And it's okay to ask for mm-hmm. what you want. Yeah. is a big learning lesson. Yeah. How do you manage it? Obviously,
0: you, you guys collectively have five children. You have five kids. So, um, and you're So you have five person. kids. You're also running this incredible business <laughs> together. Um how do you make sure that you and your husband have time together? Because I think whether it's kids that distract you or your business or things like that, I think it is very difficult to make sure that you guys prioritize yourself. And I think that's where people get into the problem of, You meet someone, you fall in love, you let Mm -hmm. the adrenaline and the excitement take over for a few years, and then before you know it, you're spending less and less time together. And I think that's why you have the drop off and you have the divorce rate and you have the relationships that just don't last long. So in order to get to that 15-year mark, that 30-year mark, the Mm 50-year mark, which let me tell you, I'm gunning for the 50,
3: um,
0: how do you manage that with kids and building a business?
1: We are literally always together. Yeah. So we wake up really early, we meditate, we get the kids breakfast, we get them to school. I mean and you do that together? Yes. Okay. So he'll start making breakfast and I'll start packing their lunches. We get them off to school, we go to work, our offices are next to each other. But then it's like, he has his work, I have my work. But a lot of it, I mean, we have a company together. Mm-hmm. So we're always like in meetings together. And then, but the love time, it's just yeah. like... The kids go to bed, and we spend that time talking every single night at bedtime. What happened today? What were your takeaways? Mm -hmm. What are your issues? How are you feeling? And I think that's really important, and it really means a lot to both of us. And I feel like that's how our relationship has been so good because we've had so much communication, But yes, our life is crazy, and we're always running here and there, and you go here and I go here, and it, I mean, it is. It's chaos.
0: Mm. But you guys have (laughs) clearly structured your lives to make sure that your relationship doesn't fall through the cracks, and that's what's Mm. so important. Sixteen years in marriage, eighteen mm-hmm. years with my husband, and mm-hmm. I still every week I actually don't do it daily, but every week I absolutely look at my my calendar, I look at his, mm-hmm. I look at where we are in our relationship and I'm like, what do we need to change yeah. this week to make sure we're connected? And in fact, this morning I, I went up to him and he, he he has his headphones on and he's working and he pulls him out and he's like, What's up? And this is the first <laughs> thing I've seen. I've seen him in the morning. So I haven't even said good morning to him. I walk over, he pulls him out and he's like, What's up? And I was like, I just want to cuddle. Yeah. he's like, oh. So he puts his headphones down and we cuddle, but you have to force yourself to do it. Because I'm tired, I'm stressed, I've got to shoot this morning. So the last thing I'm thinking about is bonding with my husband, Mm -hmm. but I force myself to make sure I do. Mm -hmm. Because I may not feel it in this minute, but I may feel it, like I may feel the struggle in a week, I may feel the struggle in a month.
1: And date your partner. I don't care how long you've been together, Go on a date, leave the kids, yeah. leave the dogs, leave whatever you got to, but make the time to spend with each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah, couples
2: forget, and this is a huge, um, a huge topic on my show, a huge, one of my main principles is that we have to learn when you're in a relationship, that you have to prioritize your relationship, mm-hmm. whether it's your, you prioritize your pleasure, your sex life, your one-on-one time. Because what happens, especially when you have kids and a business and a life we think, well, we'll put that in the back burner because we're together, our sex life doesn't matter, we'll find time, well, if time doesn't happen. So just as much as you schedule picking the kids up at work or your workouts or your friends, you need to look at it, I mean, scheduling date nights, taking time away from the kids. Couples need to do this as much as they prioritize their religion, their health, their workouts, everything else has to be like, here's two nights a week, we've decided we need just the two of us. Going to the movies or whatever you like. We go to dinner and you need that because when you have kids, people, I talk to couples all the time. I'm like, well, have you ever had a night away? For example, and they're like, oh, we've been together 10 years. Have you ever left the kids for a night? No, never. We can't mm-hmm. find babies. I'm like, you, you have to. to. You're stronger parents, you're stronger everything when you prioritize your intimacy. I'm Do. so glad you happened oh, to have hey, that. Hey, isn't that funny? Oh, yeah. Sex. sex. Just, I know, there Emily brought up sex. Yeah. As well.
0: <laughs> um, so, because going from working on yourself to then when you meet someone to making sure that you're open so now this is a beautiful transition yes. because w- Tom and I talk about our biggest fears in our relationship that could happen in the future and their death is one of them, like you hear so many stories where couples have gone yeah. for a year or two and they haven't slept together mm. and the, you hear people, they get excited for Valentine's Day, they get excited for their birthday because it means they're, they, they're owed <laughs> and when I say I couldn't imagine a oh. worst case scenario and here's the thing i don't think people mean to i think you end up like kind of blinking yeah. especially like, if you've got kids and you've got, you and you've got a business and you've got a family <laughs> or you're traveling or but let's face it you may not have kids girl but freaking oh. hell you're doing so much oh, crazy yeah. stuff with exactly. your business it's... so we all live these mm-hmm. lives where we're super busy And when we get home, we're in our safe space. We're in our comfort space. Sometimes we just want to let go. We want to veg out. We want to take our makeup off and be in the most ugliest, like our our sweatpants that we love but has holes in it, right? And so you can't help but get into those habits.
2: And sadly, what happens? You end up with bed death. Yes, exactly. Communication is a lubrication. That is like my main, if you remember anything, like on my tombstone, literally, talk about your sex life early and often when you start having sex with someone is when you should start talking about it like like how what what turns you on what feels good how important mm-hmm. is it for us to have sex so here's the problem though in the early stage of a relationship there's something called the honeymoon phase that is a real mm-hmm. biological condition mm-hmm. 6 months to 2 years You've got the hormones, the bonding hormones. You feel the chemicals. You just feel like you're so in love and all these things. You actually look at the brains of people falling in love, lust, and mm-hmm. people going in on drugs. It's the same, right? But yes. that dies down. And then eventually you're like, well, we're not having sex anymore. Mm-hmm. But our, our belief system is that sex should always be amazing and it should always be perfect. And then when we no longer have that, we're like, oh, my God, there's a problem. Well, I don't want to talk about sex because I've never talked about it. So let's just wait for it to come back. And then years go by, months go by, and then Mm -hmm. nothing happens. So knowing this, knowing that sex is going to take work, and it's going to take really honest communication, like knowing that going in, and then continuing to have a dialogue, have a check-in about your sex life, talk about what turns you on, how it changes, and keeping it top of mind. So in the beginning, everything is new. It's spontaneous. Mm -hmm. It's exciting. There's novelty. Well, after all that wears down, it becomes rote, it becomes predictable, It becomes, and that's that's the, uh, that kills romance, that kills sex, you know, Mm. so knowing all of this, then you keep talking about what's on our bucket list this quarter, this month, like sometimes I think it's like a business, like what do we want to, where do we want to be in our sex life a year from now, our intimacy, maybe it's numbers, maybe it's we want to have sex three times a week, maybe it's we want to try something different, we want to buy some new toys, Mm -hmm. we want to go on a sexual adventure, we want to role play, sex toys, we want to talk to, we want to dress up for each other, like People don't even know what's on the menu of sex because they're, it's shrouded in mystery for mm-hmm. many. And it, I think embarrassment like, oh, and shame, embarass, though, embarass, shame and trauma. What, two out of five women have trauma, and it's like many don't ever seek treatment for it, or you push it down, you repress it, and it doesn't, it just stays with you for a lifetime unless you learn to heal and yes. you go to therapy and you talk about it. Yeah, people think
1: you don't talk about it; it's just going to go away. It does it's nothing not goes go away. away. Whatever you
2: resist mm-hmm. persists, and, yes. and you repress it; it just gets worse. So, mm-hmm. so that's huge that you've learned to overcome fact, that. Could you actually
0: give us some tips? But like, how do you go from having this, um you know basically Trauma. being you know so, yeah. sexually abused to then overcoming it
1: and then being able to enjoy
0: it with the partner?
1: Um. I didn't enjoy it for a long time. I didn't enjoy mm. it until I met my husband because I felt like the men I was with—that's what they wanted. So mm. if I, I, thought if I gave them what they wanted, then it was going to be okay. Right. I didn't like it. So how I didn't do you like sex? You transition them because that's the relationship. Talking about what you want and what feels good, and, and the connection that you feel. Is so much with someone, and the bond is going to be your sex is going to be so much better with your partner than just some stranger you met. Yeah.
0: So finding a safe place, having somebody that really can see you for mm-hmm. you first, yes. to then allow that safety
2: to open mm-hmm. up. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then also like there is shame around sex, and since we don't see it anywhere, we're not taught in schools about. We're taught, like, you know, it's all fear based sex education if you have any. Yes. We're Use told, condoms. Use condoms and don't get pregnant. In, it's such a yes. like, True. There's no I pleasure. Know, there's no about talk that. about pleasure. There's no talk about masturbation. There's no talk about women, yeah, about your I'm bodies about and what that. feels good. We're, most women are oriented towards pleasing our partners and that uh-huh. doing what they want and that our pleasure will come mm-hmm. at some point or not at all. So, my biggest homework for for women all the time is you have to pleasure yourself. You have to masturbate, whether you're in a relationship, whether you're out of a relationship. If you don't know what makes you feel good, nobody else is going to be able to figure it out for you. That was until I was like 20 and I was having sex. And I said to my friend, my girlfriend's in college, my stay, I said, what is the big deal with sex, by the way? Like, I like the cuddling part. It <laughs> comes in a pounding way, but like, it doesn't feel great. And no. my friends were like, haven't you had an <laughs> orgasm? I was like, what is an or I didn't even know what an orgasm was. I'm like, well, don't you masturbate? And I said, oh. no. And that, for me, was this light bulb moment where I was like, well, no one taught me, and I didn't know. And so I realized that I used to believe someday my prince will come, and so will I. Because he's going <laughs> to, you know, like, he... <laughs> I didn't expect you to say that you call me totally my oh, god! That. Oh, my God, that's really? amazing. He's going to ride up in a white, shiny horse because he's going to have all the secrets <laughs> to my body because I didn't learn anything. I thought mm. men knew.
1: Right. And I realized, oh, men, the men's
2: teach
0: men's gonna teach
2: you. Yeah, to, but they, yeah, I thought they were shipped off to some secret school where they learned all about female pleasure and they would know my body because I knew nothing. And I was in a my family was like, it was open. Then my mom was like, if you have questions, ask me about sex. But I never knew what the questions were. I think that's right. a big thing. We don't know what to ask. Mm-hmm. And we don't even know that it's possible to give ourselves pleasure, to have a lot of orgasms, to even ask for what we want. So the, the thing is figuring it out and then knowing that like we're both in a sexual relationship with, with somebody else. So thinking that either we have to fix the relationship on our own if it comes to sex mm-hmm. or they do. Like I get calls every day from listeners like, my wife no longer wants to have sex. You've been together 10 years. Or a man calls in. Same thing every day. You know, a lot of times. And it's like, first of all, you don't have to solve it on your own. There's two of you creating your sexual mm-hmm. relationship. So you both have to be willing mm-hmm. to talk about it and to work on it. And many people are not. Like even in long term, been together, we still hold on to this whether it's from religion, spirituality, wherever we grew up, that it's, it's the messages from culture, we talking about it is wrong. And so it's teaching couples and individuals that talking about sex is the, is the first step towards actually having the sex life, the pleasure, mm-hmm. the intimacy that you want, is being okay with it.
0: And how much do you notice the correlation between the healthy sex life and then
2: the longevity of a relationship? It's not healthy for couples to say, well, we're best friends, we've sworn sex off. Because what I've also heard from most couples is eventually... They're like, well, I have no libido. I don't care about it. And then they realize I no longer have it for my partner. But we were not connected at all. And then that's when affairs happen. We're not getting our needs met. Mm -hmm. So I went to find someone else. And Oh, look, there's my libido. Because it was attraction and intimacy that we no longer nurtured. You have to nurture these kernels in the relationship all the time. I think that you have to continue to be intimate. And I'm never going to tell you numbers. Like it has to be once every day or once a week. People always want to know what's the secret thing. And I will not. I'm not going to tell your girlfriend. Why do people always want to know numbers? They, they always they want, want to know. Them. That's what I and said. And then they compare to their friends. How many times friends. do you guys? Right? Married friends? Yes. Don't all do the that. Time. It's
3: unhealthy. I've done it before as I well. know you all married
2: people do this to each other. <laughs> yes. It's not healthy because you compare it and then you feel bad. Because listen, our brain is the largest sex organ. We have to keep sex top of mind, especially for women. So if it's off your mind because you're busy, we're stressed, anxiety, biggest killer of our sex drive, mm-hmm. then take time to like. Get into your body, take a dance clap, move, feel, take a bath, touch your, just be, breathe, like all those things that breathe. masturbate, I'm telling you. But Watch I feel porn, like. I'm cool with it, get it, I'm energy, cool bring with the, it. keep the pilot light but I lit. I feel like. Keep it lit. Um, so, okay, so we've
0: touched on the sex, but what about the romance? Because here's another ah, thing that I yeah. find you've got a couple's, that the woman's like, he's not romantic. He doesn't even buy me flowers. I can't believe it. Like, you know, um, or, you know, I better get flowers on Valentine's Day. But yet that they're not necessarily willing to do what their other half wants if it comes to sex. And it becomes, starts to become like a tit for tat, mm-hmm. right? Like, okay, if you buy me flowers, I'll give you sex. If it's Valentine's Day, then, mm. right? And I think that, that is extremely dangerous. Very dangerous. Um, but at the same time, I also understand that men, a lot of men, in fact, I don't want to generalize, my husband doesn't necessarily think about romance. So I just take it upon myself instead of judging him like, oh, my God, I can't believe he's not romantic. He doesn't buy me flowers. The truth is he's so busy. If it's important to me, I need to take ownership. So what I literally do on Valentine's Day, I'll say to him in advance. All right, babe. Yeah, I want some flowers this year. So remember, and I'll put it on his phone. I'll get his phone. I'll set an alarm. Like, remember to buy your <laughs> wife flowers um, because it's like I really want yeah, it. Yeah. And I want him to know that it's important to me, but I want him to go and do it. And assuming that people are going to do it off their own back, I think just sets people up for yeah, For
1: sense. failure, because they're not mind readers. Right, yeah. They don't know what you like right. until you tell them. Yes, yeah. you yes.
2: co-create romance, you co-create Valentine's Day, you co-create your sex life. Mm-hmm. It's not one for the, so let's say, going back to the sex number thing, and then I'll start, it's like, if someone wants it five days a week in the relationship, but someone wants it one, well then clearly you gotta figure out maybe three and a half times. Cause no one's right or wrong there. If you want it five times a week and you only want it one, you can't just say, well, I, my way is right once. Forget it. Live with it. Yeah, you just can't. Yeah, you can't. You have and to And the flowers it. thing, we don't tell our partners what we want. And so I love what you're saying, Lisa. It's such a good example because there's a lot of women listening and go, nope. He better know I want flowers. He knows I love flowers. And if he's telling him, takes all the fun away. I don't want to have to tell him. And, and people say the same thing about scheduling sex. Like, that's the least sexy mm-hmm. thing ever. I'm like, well, let me tell you why it's not. Because mm-hmm. all the nights that you're coming home and trying to have sex with your partner and then you feel rejected because he's too tired – What's better, knowing that Saturday night is the night that you're having sex so you can look forward to it and you both know and you talk about what you want to do, or every night you're like, oh God, I hope he doesn't try to have sex because I don't want to, or vice versa. Mm. So much better. Or how about you on Valentine's Day, February 13th, you're going, you better fucking remember this year. <laughs> yeah. If he doesn't have any flowers, but now you know. And then you have a time to bear with other things, just to talk about all these things. And I think for Valentine's Day, it's a huge thing. Like, because some people want flowers. Some people are like, no, don't spend any money. Let's mm-hmm. sit home and, like, watch Netflix and get our right. favorite cake, take cake, yeah. cake, carry out, cake, delivery. Yeah. So why not discover together what does Valentine's Day look to you, babe, what it look like to me, and let's create it. Because a lot of it isn't natural. You know, yes. a lot of this stuff yeah. isn't natural. Like, we're not naturally romantic or even naturally sexual for a lot of us. I mean, we mm-hmm. are, but we've repressed it or we've we're busy, we're anxious, we can't deal with it. But knowing that it's important, how do we work our our relationship together and our lives together so we can make all these things happen, knowing Mm -hmm. what it is that we both want, Mm -hmm. to feel loved, to feel accepted, to feel adored, to feel cherished, you know? So how do we get that? And then adding to something you had said was
0: having that discussion with your partner, saying, hey, this is what I'm like, this is what you're like, okay, but then checking in with each other often to see if you've changed because i used to say to tom when i first met him no flowers on valentine's day it's so freaking cheesy like everyone expects it i want you to buy me flowers because you've just had a lovely thought about me i don't want you buying me Mm -hmm. flowers because you feel like you should the meaning behind the flowers isn't like so i'm not actually into flowers in fact don't buy me flowers on valentine's day but then i changed my mind (laughs) right 10 years down the line on Valentine's Day, I was like, I kind of want flowers. And he didn't get me, so I was like, okay, well, the poor man, of course he's not gonna get me. I told him not to. So now I need to approach him and say, hey babe, I've actually changed my mind and it's taken a few years for him to remember. Because he spent 10 years trained not to. And now he's just like, please remind me every year because I'm going to forget. And so now I'm just reminding him every year, hey babe, I want flowers this year. Um, But like not being ashamed or embarrassed to
2: say it out loud. Keep taking, keep having the conversations. I think that is such a good point that especially in long-term relationships, what you liked at the beginning Romantically, sexually, intellectually, whatever for vacation,
1: yeah. everything
2: changes, right? Yeah, we're so always changing as people. We're gonna it.
1: want different things, we're gonna like different things, we're yeah. gonna need different needs. Right. So mm-hmm. you need to let your partner know what those needs are because yeah. like I said, like And going back to the bed, death, Exactly, yeah. and
2: going back to the bed death thing, oftentimes we don't realize that we've changed what turned us on or what we liked or and there's so mm. many different ways to experience pleasure that if you're always, like, let's say you guys figure out your position, right? Like, this is how mm-hmm. we all get off, and then we go off our day. Mm-hmm. You have to keep working mm-hmm. at it. Just like if you do the same exercise every day mm-hmm. with your body, you're not going to have any improvements in your right? You keep lifting Just weights the right same example. way. But that's, like, something that people don't think about. They're, like, they think, like, sex should be magical. Angels, fairy dust, always perfect without having to work it. mm-hmm. It's a tip. Mm-hmm. Not you guys, yeah. happily married and stuff. No, but but look, many people. But here's the thing. Even... I would absolutely
0: say I'm happily married, but I mean, shit, like I'm still learning every day and still
1: figuring it out. And we're still working on it. And Just because you're happy, you get to a point where you're like, we're happy with each other. It doesn't mean we're going to stop. We're going to keep going so you can maintain that happiness together and you're not ended up getting divorced or seeking things in another person that you're not getting in your relationship.
0: No relationship is perfect. And if you plan to be with the person for the rest of your life, you're going to find stressful and difficult times. So keep watching to find out how me and the husband of 20 years navigate these moments. (laughs) Welcome to the show, baby.
3: Thank you for having me on. Thank you
0: so much for being here. So it's a crazy time yes. Um, and there's so many things right now that I think being together in, you know, day in, day out can actually cause some trouble in relationships. We've obviously worked together for a long time now, so we've navigated a lot of these pitfalls that I think people are having. Um, but where I want to start is the real simple, how do you avoid getting annoyed with each other over the small things?
3: That's, that, is, that is a good question, my friend. It's like you've done this before. Uh, that is really smart as a place to start. So it's an area that I think really trips people up because they're, they've probably thought through a lot of the big things, but they haven't thought a lot about letting things go. And I know we've talked before, probably for the first like six or seven years of our marriage, I just thought I was really good at communication and I wasn't giving you enough credit for how quickly you let things go. Um, So having a rule around it is the first one. So just recognizing as a value that you should hold in a relationship is getting annoyed about the small things is problematic in and of itself. So that doesn't mean that they're not doing something annoying. It means that being annoyed about it doesn't serve you. And so once you have that value and the corresponding rule, I don't allow myself to be annoyed about the small things, right? So you're going to get that flash of like, oh, that really like winds me up. I did it to you earlier today and you just let it go. And one, I didn't mean to, to do anything that would annoy you. And then because you have rehearsed so many times to ask yourself that line of questioning, like are they doing it specifically to upset me? No. Okay, well if they're not doing it to upset me, that doesn't mean that it's not annoying, but it does mean that I have two things going for me. One, I have a value and a rule around not getting annoyed about the small things, and then two, I know that I can rely on the fact that they don't actually intend to be annoying with this thing. So have the value system that being annoyed over something small isn't useful, and then getting really practiced and really good at actually letting it go at a neurochemical level because when you, if you feel the annoyance and are pretending, that's very different than letting it go. Mm. And the ability to release and not be annoyed is one of the most powerful Things that you can do in a relationship.
0: Well, how do you do it though when you're in this environment right now where it's like high stress, right? There are people, because we work together, we understand like how the business is altering as well. But there are some people where in, part, in a partnership and one person's lost their job. Um, and so there's like serious heightened emotion right now. There's the fear, the anxiety. Um, in moments like that with the small things how do you avoid it from escalating into a massive argument because that's really where i think right where right now people have just started to be in quarantine together so like maybe it's a little romantic or maybe it's you know cute and you do some fun things but after a week after two weeks after three weeks that it's been like it's been projected um it's very dangerous to not necessarily address certain things or to let things go if they still really annoyed you. So how do you avoid getting to that point so that you don't just erupt into, you know, after three weeks, everything's kind of come to a head and then
3: you like, where did this come from? There's just no substitute for doing the work. So I made a, a statement to myself a long time ago, which is there is no performance, there's only practice. So I really hope, that there's never another pandemic that we need to be practicing for, which almost certainly isn't true, and this probably really is a dress rehearsal for more things to come. But recognizing, oh cool, like hey, this is actually fun, so I'll give people an example. Um, We're here by ourselves, we are the entire crew, we are the entire performing duo, Um, there's nobody here but us. And so you spent almost an hour with our tech team over the phone doing like um, FaceTime, showing them the settings on the cameras so you could get it right and all that stuff. And in all of that, it's you're having to go through something that you could get very frustrated by and say you know this is so annoying that we're in this quarantine and i'm losing so much time to this and this takes so much more time and energy and you know this is why we built a team so that we could you know spread the responsibilities and i ended up having to run your teleprompter and so i thought of it as practice And that difference between, oh, this isn't performance, this is a chance for me to practice being there for her, supporting her, and then it became fun. It's like, okay, I'm not good at this yet, but I actually wanna take this seriously and I wanna to try to get good at this, even though it was, I mean, what, 20 minutes is always spent on it, but in the 20 minutes, I shifted my mind from, this isn't performing, this is practice, and I wanna get good at this, and I'm gonna invest in the practice, I'm gonna take it seriously, and I'm gonna have fun, and so getting good at something, the, the process of getting good, not being good, right? So people in this quarantine time, you're not gonna be good at being quarantined, you've never been quarantined before, so this is your chance to practice getting good at being quarantined. So now it's like, oh yeah, I really didn't do that well, but approach it as practice. So it's not like, oh man, on Monday I really messed up, and so that's a whole day of my quarantine performance that was ruined. It's, oh, okay, cool, what can I learn from that? It, there's this weird thing that happens in people's psychology when they feel they've missed an opportunity. Mm-hmm. And so this is something you and I talked a lot about. Don't tell me that I've done something wrong When it's too late to change it? Mm -hmm. Tell me when I still have a chance to make good on it. And if people can get in that mindset during the quarantine, yep, you're going to mess some things up. Yep, you're probably going to get short with each other because it's really weird. Like you talked about in the intro, this is uncharted territory. But if people recognize, okay, I want to take this seriously, but I want to have fun practicing to get better at my relationship. And so it's like we're doing this grand social experiment where we're all going to be around the people that, we love like 10 X and how do we use this moment to improve? And I think if people switch out of performance mode and into practice mode mm-hmm. and in this moment, learn to be a better spouse, learn to be a better parent, practice, try, like see what's working, that'll help them do the one thing which you put your finger on, which is let go, like to just release but when it's performance and it's ego, it's who I am, it's my state of being, I am either good at this or I am bad at this, then people get defensive. But if you can let that go, practice releasing and not being tense, and just judge yourself based on the progress, I think people will be pretty amped at the end.
0: Yeah, but me and you have, um, now we have a very similar mindset. Um, And this situation is affecting each individual person in very different ways. And some people are finding um, super empowerment in it. It's like, okay, what can I do? How can I help the world? How can I improve my life? Now's an opportunity for me to learn. And you have other people who are a mess, get extremely anxious, are frightened, are living in fear. What happens and how do you handle it when you've got those two different people living under the same roof?
3: each of them has to take responsibility for themselves. So you're going to want to support each other. You're going to want to try to help each other. But if I match your energy, then this escalates into madness. So I'm going to give you so much like grace that if you're feeling heightened, I, and you will almost certainly bite at me, right? So you're going to be You're nervous, you're and a lot of people when they're nervous, they become nervous aggressive. Mm. So you might lash out, you might say something, and I have every right to be like, don't take that out of me. Like, why the fuck are you yelling at me? I didn't do anything wrong. But if I do that, then that's going to further heighten your anxiety. It's going to increase that sense of overwhelm. So because I have a value system, which I, in our relationship, one of my highest priorities is to lift you up. So it's like, okay, well, cool. She is feeling this way, I'm not going to judge her for that because that's not going to help. This is the love of my life. So how can I be useful here? If I give her a ton of grace to, to you know, be annoyed, be scared, be frustrated, lash out, whatever, then at the end of that, I can actually help her de-escalate. But if I match her energy because I have the right to match her energy and be annoyed, then I'm not going to do what I value, which is to lift you up and support you and make you feel better about yourself. So I would try to be the more agitated you are, the more I'm going to be loving, the more I'm going to be relaxed. It's like if you're eating ultra spicy food, you drink milk, right? So you need something that soothes that energy. So I would do that. Like Just because you have the right to be upset doesn't mean that it's going to be useful.
0: Mm. So in the past, we've got into many arguments where we've just butted heads or I'm heightened emotion. And I don't feel like I'm necessarily getting what I need from you. And obviously you want to give me what I need and you're not. So you get frustrated. So those two frustrations start butting heads. But since then, we've really um, I think it comes down to being honest about what you're looking for in those moments. And I remember once I was like, I just want you to get annoyed too. Like that episode in Sex and the City where Carrie um, is like, they're buying that apartment next door or whatever. And finally Aiden gets mad and she's like, yes, this is what I've been waiting for. Because there is something to feeling like someone gets you. And now that doesn't mean that you don't get me, even if you understand. But there's something about feeling bonded when someone feels that same feeling. Let me tell you
3: right now, if that feeling is fear and anxiety... Leaning in for the other partner to match in there is a horrific idea.
0: Correct. And what I was going to say is in the past, I don't know if you remember us having this discussion. Oh, very and, much and so. And you even said But to I'll me, say
3: it's around one emotion righteous indignation. Explain. Outside of that, like when you feel that the world is unjust and somebody's doing something they shouldn't and it should not be this way, then. 100%. So if the person were saying, I can't believe that, you know, testing isn't being done more rapidly, yeah, that's fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. I can't believe they're not testing. Matching that, righteous indignation, yeah. I get it. it, makes the person feel understood and connected. But if the person is like, this is all going to shit, we're not gonna be able to pay rent, like, don't fucking join them there. That would be a catastrophic idea.
0: And we had that discussion where you're like, I totally understand, and we kind of almost separated the two and being like, I understand why you actually want to feel like, yes, that is shitty. And I remember also you saying, but when there are certain times, I'm not going to lean into it because it only like solidifies that feeling versus it's like you have a different perspective and you are a common effect in my life. But what-
3: I really, really want to make sure you and everybody else understands, they've got to tease out the difference between righteous indignation, which sometimes I won't match you at. Mm -hmm. And all the examples that you're giving are that. Where, yes, even with righteous indignation, sometimes I'm not going to meet you there. Mm -hmm. It is not a winning strategy. I'm just saying as a blanket statement, meeting somebody in fear and anxiety is always a losing strategy.
0: Right, and I'm saying, I totally understand. You have to talk about it because me and you have gone through it. We've spoken about like, okay, this actually upsets me when I don't feel like you're, you're supporting me. And you have said, explain to me either why, or we've just given each other um, a breakdown of where we're coming from and what that effect and feeling is. I'm not much of an anxious person, but we have broken down when it seems like, for instance, I'm being... In the past, I've been irrational, okay, and you've said, "Hey, you're being irrational," because I'll be like all upset that you haven't supported me, and like I haven't supported you because you're irrational. It doesn't mean that I don't love you, and that's my point: is that explaining that you still support them, that you still love them, but you won't match that energy because it's not good for them. And once we had that discussion, when I was emotionally sober and I could hear it, it really sank in. And it's like, huh, yeah, you actually realize that when you're feeling anxious or overwhelmed, you do not want someone to pour fuel on that you actually want someone else like you said with the milk to actually bring you down and calm you down but you have to have that discussion because i really do remember feeling like you weren't supporting me and that wasn't the case
3: word um i'm really curious because listening to you i i don't feel that our disconnect was ever over hey you're not understanding me with the fear anxiety And so I think your point around that was, well, it's articulating the why you're not matching them. On that, I will say, really understanding the concept of emotional sobriety is gonna be very important because I fear that somebody listening to what you just said goes, oh, cool, I'm gonna tell my wife when she's being irrational, hey, you're being irrational. And that would be a losing strategy. (laughs) Uh, So the notion of emotional sobriety is... There are times where people are, they're, they're neutral. They're, um, they're not upset about anything. They're very open to feedback. And in those moments to give somebody an explanation that's logical will work. It's not super useful to give somebody a logical argument when they're really in an emotional state. Um, so you do have to pick and choose your times.
0: Yeah. Um, okay, well, picking and choosing your times, how do you know when's a good time? Because right now it's like if we butt heads, we have space, right? You can go off, do things, talk to your friends, hang out with your friends, whatever, and then come back with emotional sobriety. Now people don't have that space to do that. Um, oh, but they do. Oh,
3: go on. So here's my big fear. People aren't taking responsibility for themselves. And like, we're in a hard situation. There's no question about that. But if people lean into that, like they're not going to get where they want to go. We are in the situation that we're in. You are locked in. So right now, if one, people should take selfish time. Two, the space that you need, you don't need anything more than a pair of headphones and um, darkness would be my preference. Some people want to look out the window or whatever. But if you have darkness and headphones, you can isolate yourself completely because creating a headspace of calm and separation Mm -hmm. is going to be really important because always having somebody in your space like human animals are a social creature we bond very well we connect very well but we also need alone time and you can get alone time in a crowded room full of people i've done this like i'm going i'm about to speak i'm in a room full of fucking people and i can just Put headphones in and I personally listen to the sound of a thunderstorm. It's just very soothing for me for whatever reason. Listen to the beach, crickets, like whatever your thing is. You can certainly do it with silence as well, but I would say that's a little more advanced. It's easier if you have a natural sound playing to sort of drown out other things. And take that time. Take a warm shower. Take a warm bath. Like Mm -hmm. whatever you find your thing, literally go get in your bed, pull the covers over your head. Like, whatever you need to do to isolate your mind space will go a very, very long way. But people have to do the work. Like, you can't just say, I'm in a 700 square foot apartment, I have three kids and a husband, and I'm going fucking crazy. It's like, that's real. But what are you doing about it? Like, now's the time. Download fucking Calm or Headspace or something. There are so many free guided meditations on YouTube. Try it, don't reject it out of hand. Like, you, you have to put in the work. You have to go out of your way to find out. Read a book. Like, what's your thing? The, the number of things that I would try before I would just throw up my hands, and that's the thing. Like If I could go and strangle myself at 22 and be like, how many things have you really tried? Like, you're throwing your hands up. You're giving up on X, Y, Z. As Seth Godin says, show me your bad writing. Oh, you don't know how to write? Show me your bad writing. Like, until you've done 10,000 pages of bad writing, don't tell me that you don't know how to write. Mm. Until you've tried 10,000 things to create that space for yourself, don't tell me you don't know how to do it. Until you've clocked 200 hours trying to meditate, don't say you don't know how to meditate. It's like, I want to give people a pill. That would be amazing and more people would do it. But the reality is, you have to do fucking work. And that's what I go back to fall in love with the joy of practice. This isn't performance. You get to practice not going crazy in a very small confined space with a bunch of people. Hey, but literally this is what I do. I flip a switch and go, oh, this is actually amazing. And because I flip my mind there, I'm going to see things other people won't see because they're focused on the problem and they don't demand of themselves to try like all these, ah, until you find one that works. The first 20, 30, 50, 100 things you might try might not work. But as long as it doesn't violate the laws of physics, there is an answer, but you you have to hold yourself accountable to finding it.
0: I love that so much. But what do you do if it's not even you that's in that headspace? What if it is your partner?
3: So this is the most frustrating thing in the known universe, which is to be in a relationship, to be willing to do all the work in the world. And the other person is not. They don't value it. They don't want to do the work, whatever the case may be. Now, here is the bad news, you can't make them, but you can make that really enticing. And so I've heard it said, I don't remember by who, you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink, but if you focus on making them thirsty, everything takes care of itself. And I thought that is brilliant. So the goal here would be for the partner who is willing to do the work to make it very enticing for the other person to want to do the work. Mm. So I would start by asking a few simple questions. Hey, we are stuck here, yes, yes. This would be more fun if we can find it, find like a way for us to really enjoy this, yes, yes, perfect. Um, I think there are some things that we could do that'll really make this enjoyable. How do we gamify this? Or how do we have some fun with this? What's the angle? Like, how do you want to do? Like, what does your ideal day look like? How do you want to, like, work together? And here's what I want to do. And if they go hey, let's come up with some ways to make this fun. Like, what would that look like for you? What would you want to do? And when you start asking these questions, Mm -hmm. there's going to be a dozen times where you can insert a rule of engagement or something that's playful, even just shifting people out of the mindset of, oh, this sucks, and like into, how would we make this fun? Like, you know, in business, we play the no bullshit, what would it take? So, all right, here's this crazy thing. Nobody believes that it can be done, but hey, just Humor me for a second, come on, come on. No bullshit, what would it take to build the next Disney or whatever, that just seems, there's no way. But okay, well if we had to do it, we would X, Y, Z. That shifts you out of problem mode and into problem solving mode. And once, if you can get the other person into problem solving mode in a way that's fun, now you're just in a different headspace and the odds of you being able to pull something off go up exponentially.
0: Yeah, it's so true. I mean, when I think about, so we've been doing baths or taking bars on the weekends during quarantine. Um, because I like to associate things with a pleasure, like something nice, something fun, something, and it, I think it needs to be something different so that it really sticks in my mind. Because there will be one day, I mean, we've been together for 19 years and in another 19 or 20 years, there'll be a time where we're telling people, do you remember when we were quarantined? Mm. And what do you want that, story to be and in my head i've already played that scenario out it's like oh well do you remember babe? we used to take baths every you know wookie always try to get in the bath like really leaning into creating a narrative because we're always about story right what is a narrative that you tell yourself um about your life about your past about your childhood
3: about the quarantine
0: about the quarantine exactly and so i'm deliberately writing my quarantine script in real time it's really smart and I'm doing it deliberately. And so, like, there are things like that, that I think anyone can do to really, like, force, in essence, like, a memory that you know is going to be fun. And then once one of you has that fun spirit, it really does, I think, become infectious, mm. pun intended or not intended. Um, but it really does. And I think that things like that um, are important to be aware of instead of... Spending every day just trying to get through it, so that you can then be released into the world again.
3: You know. Mm. Yeah, that. I, I just want to take a second to say that is so brilliant to be consciously aware. You're writing the script of how to think about the um, the quarantine, because it's putting you in sort of a like you're in the present, but looking back on it almost as if it were the past. And how do I want this to be remembered? that'll make people really aware about how they spend the time, how they think about um, creating special moments or like, hey, I really want this to be positive. What would need to be true so that in five years I look back on mm. this fondly? You know what I mean? And obviously, like people have to be safe and we're not in any way, shape or form diminishing like the severity of this. Like but, We take this very seriously. We um, had our employees work from home almost eight or nine days ahead of the curve. Like we're, We take it very, very seriously. Um, but at the same time, To fail to look for the opportunities to frame it positively, to make it as enjoyable as it can, is a missed opportunity. And I think, you know, it's like everything in life, if you think of it as phases, and it it would be very easy to say, oh, when we were poor, that was a worse phase now that we have generated wealth. But the reality is there were parts that were better then, right? And there are certainly parts that are better now. But when we were poor, we actually said, hey, remember this time, because you will miss this aspect of it. And um, when a company is small, for instance, like there's just an intimacy that while you're scrambling and you're not sure if you're going to be in business the following day, like there, that intimacy is beautiful. And to fail to enjoy that would be a mistake. When you get big, you lose that intimacy, but you have so much more power. And to fail to enjoy like, whoa, we can really shift culture, like that would be a mistake. So the quarantine clearly has a downside, but it also has an upside. And so telling yourself consciously what the narrative is going to be and then act in accordance with it. That's really smart.
0: Thank you. Um, What do you think about issues that couples have that now become even more heightened because you're in that space? So me and you really do work at issues in real time. Um, we try definitely not to let any dust settle and let things linger. We try and address issues and problems as they are. Do you want to tell are. people what
3: you mean by dust settling?
0: Um, yes. So dust settling is like when you clean a surface and the bit of dust um, falls on it. It's like, eh, it's not a big deal if you let it go and you don't clean then that dust gets thicker and thicker and then it really embeds it into its crevices and sometimes it's like almost impossible to clean that's kind of like how we are with arguments or problems it's like don't let it settle always address it so that it never becomes too big of an issue to get through um so what do you do though if you're in a relationship right now where you're trying to work through a problem and it's just like you just It's so much more heightened because, like I was saying, you don't get the space to be by yourself, to maybe hang out with your friends. Because actually there was a study, God, I wish I had it on hand, but there was a study of how, you know, um, women actually want to be face-to-face with their girlfriends because it fits and fills a certain part of their personality and their needs and wants that a male partner cannot do. And I actually get that. Um, But what if now you can't get that? Um, And you're in this environment that it just almost escalates more.
3: Well, first of all, I would say don't rule out how powerful a Skype call can be or FaceTime. It it really has impact. Um, So if you have a very special group of friends and now you can only connect with them virtually, I would say that still has tremendous benefit. So people need to first understand what are the things that really matter to you. Write them down. So often, people just steer by feeling. I don't feel right. Something's wrong. I don't know what's wrong. I'm going crazy. I'm stir crazy. Ah. But in reality, it's not necessarily the space. It could be I'm not connecting. There's a, a part of what I need that I'm not getting right now because, oh, because I haven't talked to my mom or because I have this group of girlfriends and we're not able to bond or you know whatever the case may be i i need that alone time okay well now we need to start mapping it out right so if for instance bath time was alone time for me and oh my god i just i'm i'm hanging on by a thread here and thank god i have my warm showers and then my partner comes along and is like hey i've got a quarantine idea let's do bath time and now you're like whoa the one thing that i had mm-hmm. for myself but once you understand yourself you can articulate it to the other person but if you don't understand yourself if you don't do the work Like, because there's even sort of don't let the dust settle in your own mind. If you're getting agitated, you have got to figure out why. Mm. Like, you've really got to get to the root cause of what is bothering you. You cannot stop at the emotional level. So one insight that might be useful for people is emotions are the language of the subconscious. So your subconscious is trying to tell you something. So because the subconscious can process data faster and vaster than the conscious mind, It can't use words to articulate. Words is the language of the conscious mind. So once you understand, oh, I'm having this feeling because my subconscious is trying to tell me something, now you have to pull that up into the conscious mind, put words around it, figure out what is this exactly, and usually the first thing that comes to mind isn't the real thing. So the biggest argument we ever got in was over a cup of tea, or so we thought. And so we're arguing and arguing, freaking out, We're halfway to a vacation destination. I actually turn around on the freeway. I'm like, I'm going home. This is ruined. This is miserable. And it's all about a cup of tea. So it was like, finally, as I'm driving, I'm like, there's no, this isn't about the tea. And once I realized, what is this about? and I could articulate why I was upset about the tea and actually put words around it, and then you could articulate what the tea represented to you, then I was like, oh my God, we're really arguing about this and this. These things are big and they're worth discussing. Mm-hmm. The tea was moronic. And so because everything was happening at the level of the tea, the other person just seemed absurd. It's like you're actually this upset about tea. So getting to what's underlying, even when you're by yourself, Like, "Mm, I'm having persons really agitating me right now, why? And if you get to that, get past the, because they're agitating, because they're annoying, and get to why that thing triggers you, then you can make progress.
0: All right. So what if um, the other person is really irritated and frustrated and annoying? How do you engage that conversation without winding them up even more?
3: Hey, I, I see that you're agitated. So first of all, I want you to know I love you beyond all reason and measure and I'm actually willing to accept that I'm doing something that is worthy of agitation. But I promise I'm, I'm actually not doing it on purpose and it would be extraordinarily helpful. I'm totally, my defenses are lowered. Whatever you need to tell me, I'm super open to hearing that. Um, but I would like to understand what it is that I'm doing that's agitating you so I can change gears or handle things differently. Um, And by the way, that is exactly the words I would use. I
2: literally was like, I think you've actually
0: said that (laughs) that, (laughs) whole thing to me once. That is
3: how people have to articulate this stuff. You have to be calm. You have to actually get to the core of it. You actually have to lower your defenses, right? Because they're going to say something. And the chances are you really are doing something worthy of agitation. Mm. But you don't mean it. So it's like, okay, you're going to have to take your lump. You're doing something. You're being blind to something, even if you're not being quote unquote insensitive, but it's like you are failing to sense the cause of the irritation. So as an investment in the future of our relationship and our trust and everything, I'm going to lower my defenses. I won't, if you tell me what's really bothering you, I'm not going to lash out. I'm going to thank you for that. Even if it's hard, even if I disagree, by the way, I'm going to thank you for removing a blind spot okay now i get how this thing affects you i may not agree that you should be affected that way but you've removed a blind spot i now know how this thing affects you um, and then you can talk through it you can process through and figure out like do i need to change my behavior do i have a key piece of information that i can give you to interpret my behavior not from your perspective but from mine And then because I'm always about, communicate not in a way that you find satisfying, communicate in a way that's actually effective where the person can hear what you intend. Now if you intend something and they're getting it exactly as you mean it, and it still pisses them off, that's a whole nother thing. And and that really may be, like we have had those arguments where I'm like, I completely understand what you're saying. I get from your perspective why you feel that way. I don't agree, it's a collision of values, I'm not going to change my position. Uh, so now we have to decide how do we deal with this collision of values? And now we have to come up with a rule of engagement, which is a term that we use a lot for how we coexist
0: mm-hmm.
3: with the different value system. Um, yeah.
0: But also I want to go and um, talk about giving each other the grace. We kind of touched on it earlier, but giving each other grace, like if one of you is feeling super emotional and um, giving each other the grace that if they snap at you, that it doesn't mean that they don't like you or it's a reflection of you you have to understand where they're coming from Um, and then over time like if it's just okay you've given grace a lot to then speak to that person be very honest and that's one thing we do it's like hey look i know you didn't mean to snap at me but it's getting a little much like what can i do to help so that we can eliminate you acting like this because it's only gonna go down, it's only gonna get worse, not get better. So what can we do together and not making the other person feel bad about snapping, but letting them know we're in it as a team, but this has to stop. So right now, people are stuck inside With their other halves, some of people are thinking like, oh, my God, this is amazing. I get to see my partner more. Others are ready to wring each other's necks. Um, What is like the one encompassing thing that all couples can immediately do right now together um, in order to get through this? And I don't just want to say like survive it, but to actually use it as a way of getting stronger together um, instead of like just endure it.
3: One, flip your mindset. This is rad. Like, just say it. This is rad. I'm so excited. Even if you don't believe it, it will do something to your mind. This is rad. There's an opportunity here. I know it. We just have to find the opportunity. I cannot tell you how often I use that strategy. I just immediately default to this is rad. This is the best thing that's ever happened. And then I'll go, how is this the best thing? Like, And then I'll find, like, oh, actually, this is really powerful. Actually, this is, this is amazing. But it, it just started as a counterpunch, right? So world fucking pops me in the mouth my nose is bleeding i lost a tooth and i'm like this is amazing (laughs) and that's my counterpunch because now i'm like i'm going to figure out why this is amazing and it is startling how effective that is the second thing that people probably aren't putting enough time and consideration into is do fun shit like actually do shit that's fun so I'm actually taking more time in the evenings to spend with you than I ever would during the week. Because I'm like, this is going to be the best time ever. This is going to be the most fun. I'm going to look back and be like, yo, the quarantine. When's it coming back? (laughs) Because, you know what I mean? Like, really have fun with it. Like, find a way to make it exceptional. And then the third thing, thing—that's because that's all group stuff, the third thing is um, take selfish time. Like, Can you explain a little what that is? Yeah. So somehow the word selfish has become like a bad word. Like, oh my God, to be selfish is terrible. And you see these mothers drive themselves into the fucking ground, literally in early grave, because they're just always living for other people. And I get it. The impulse is noble. It is beautiful. When you're the recipient of that kind of care, it is unbelievable. But it, you, for your own sanity to love your life, you must take some time that's just selfish. Selfish. Not, oh, this is for the family and therefore it's selfish. Selfish. For you. Just you. Whatever that is. A bubble bath. Read a book. Um, Fucking watch a movie that nobody else in your family likes or wants to watch. Schedule time. I get Netflix from this time to this time. Whatever. And like, you watch shows that are like having my fingernails ripped out. But hey, It's your selfish time. You know what I mean? And if I want to join you for some of that, like, I'll be the first to admit, sometimes when you watch Jersey Shore, I join you for that. (laughs) Yes, you do. Right? But it's not something I would pick on my own. But, like, okay, cool. Like, that's fun enough sometimes. With no judgment,
0: actually. I just want to add that. Because that's so important. If you're taking selfish time, if you kept coming in and I was watching Jersey Shore and you kept coming in and And you're like and heckled me. It's like it just even if you're trying to be playful, eventually, especially when people are quarantined and you get that day in and day out, that will start to really, um, I think, upset people and rub each other the wrong way. And that's how going back to the very first question I asked you, that's how you end up getting into silly little arguments because something's rubbing you the wrong way. You're not quite sure why. And it comes out in other ways
3: truth no man not at all that's genius um so yeah and and some people selfish time really may be i need to be alone not another human making any noise um i know for me i love that i have a very strong imagination so to be in my imagination and to let that roam or to meditate whatever is deeply cathartic um you know so for people to find that space to do that thing um i think is really important
0: Mm. Word. Word. we could go on forever bill you thank you so much for joining us
3: dude this this was fun uh we used to do relationship theory we did. which if you search you can still find uh on youtube but yeah this was fun
0: Well, guys, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on this very special edition. If you're not following this man, follow him at Tom Bilyeu. If you're not following me, follow me at Lisa Bilyeu. And guys, if you're not subscribed to this channel, click that subscribe button. And if you want to see more episodes with my other half, let us know in that comments below, because then I can screenshot it and I can send it to him and I can show him why people want more of him on the show. Um, But until next time, guys, be the hero of your own life. Peace out.